Hello! Welcome to my brand new podcast, Why Should You Care with Sophie Ware. My name is Sophie Ware, hence the name of the podcast, which is going to be a new series about various and prevalent issues in the United States that we should really be focusing on. And then I want to try and inform as much as possible to try and get out the news. And I know that with more information and the more knowledge that is in conversation, that's when change really starts to come. So that's what this podcast is about. Just a little background about myself. My name is Sophie Ware. I'm a junior at St. Louis University. I am currently an international business major with a psychology minor. I am 20 years old and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. What I really want to focus on and get out of this podcast is just to really inform people and of knowledge that I just read on the internet and gather from various credible sources that are really, really important for people to know because it really is easy to ignore a lot of problems, especially when they aren't directly affecting you. But with the more knowledge and conversation, of course, you can begin to realize that they actually are incredibly relevant to every single person, even if you can't see it or feel it or touch it. So yeah, this specific episode is going to be focusing on renewable energy in the United States and what the current administration is doing or what the United States has really done to tackle our incredibly high emissions and how the United States really needs to start stepping up their work in that area. So yeah, let's jump into it. So the first big question that we want to ask is, why is renewable energy important and what is renewable energy? So the Oxford Dictionary defines renewable energy, that is energy from a source that is not depleted when used, such as wind or solar power. I am sure this is not news to anybody, but there are so many forms of it, including geothermal, hydroelectric, and nuclear. And every single day, there are so many scientists that are trying to innovate a lot of really green ways globally to start using this power instead of oil and resources that there are predictions that it could possibly run out over the next few years. So why should we start using this renewable energy? There have been a lot of threats for climate change and there has been significant evidence that human consumption and this usage of fossil fuels is just adding to our emissions and our greenhouse gases, which I personally learned in a seventh grade science class about how this is important. And the problem with these things is that it can lead to rising water levels, rising temperatures, pollution, which can lead to health concerns. And that's a pretty big, big problem. In an article titled The Regional Impacts of Climate Change, the authors write about the potential impacts on how rising CO2 levels can alter the nitrogen cycle and more damages that we are seeing today with intense natural disasters that cause billions of dollars in damages. Recently this year, we've seen five Category 4 hurricanes hit the Gulf of Mexico. We've seen incredibly vicious fires in California that have been hard to maintain because of the lack, because of climate change and because of the last lack of forestry management on the behalf of the government, honestly. So those are really big problems that are arising that are, of course, are causing billions of dollars in damages. So the question is, is, and the pushback is so much of, is this expensive shift from non-renewable to renewable energy worth it, even though there are billions of dollars annually being caused to people because of climate change? So that's why these investments are so incredibly important. 
especially in the United States, since currently we are the second largest producer of CO2 in the world, even though we do not hold that many people. Our population is only about 370 million, and we sit at number two, which is kind of sad, especially since only 17% of our energy is renewable. Compared to so many other first world countries, we have countries like Iceland, even countries in Africa, including Kenya, that are above 80% using completely non-renewable energy, or if they are using um, if they are using forms of non-renewable energy, then they are combating it with using renewable energy. So now, right now, the United States does have a lot of um, policies and le- like legislation and a lot of um, agencies that have been created to kind of establish and research and innovate about climate change. One of the biggest one is the Environmental Protection Agency, also known as the EPA. There has been a lot of contention as if this should be more defunded, if this should be more funded based on the administration that comes into the White House. The Trump administration actually did increase the EPA budget to about 9.1 billion US dollars in 2020. However, if you look at the layout of what this budget is allocated for, it really doesn't have a clear doesn't really have a clear path on how they want to combat reducing CO2 emissions. It says more to provide Americans with clean air, land and water. This is for more innovation technology and for infrastructure technology, which of course is a great thing, but still there's just really no plan with the this 9.1 billion dollars to kind of combat or step back on our CO2 emissions, which is really the big problem. Recently, just this week, the United States actually left the Paris Accords, which was written in 2015. This was written by the UN Committee, which is about 196 countries are a part of. And the Trump administration said in 2017 that they were going to leave it eventually. But we had to wait three years until we could, which was on November 4th, 2020, which was the day after the election, actually. And then Joe Biden, President-elect Joe Biden, actually came out and said they wanted to rejoin when once he was inaugurated. And this accords pretty much just promises that these 196 countries put out a plan to make sure that the world temperature doesn't rise 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 2 degrees Celsius. And the United States stepped back from that, being the only country in the UN that is not in the agreement anymore, which is honestly kind of disappointing because we are the second largest producer of CO2. And although we can independently write these our own policies, which we really haven't. It's kind of a, um, I would say, a symbolic leaving of how we do not care as much as we should. And of course, we have, um, there have been a lot of legislation and acts. We have the Solar Energy Research and Development Act of 1974, the Energy Tax of 1978, the Renewable Energy and Energy Efficiency Technology Competitiveness Act of 1989, and so many more. However, I'm sure you can see a trend of, I said 1974, 1978, 1989. We really haven't had legislation for renewable energy in almost 30 years, which is sad since so much innovation is constantly coming out of the private sector and the public sector. Of course, a really big piece of legislation right now is the Green New Deal that's trying to go through Congress, um, written by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Bernie Sanders 
crowd and the sunrise movement and everyone knows about it. Everyone's heard about it. And it's pretty much just trying to push for renewable energy to fully renewable energy in 2050 and replacing these oil fracking jobs with cleaner jobs, which is a, in a perfect world, sounds great. However, the United States has pretty hefty investments in the renewable energy sector. So currently right now, there's this thing called the electricity, the Renewable Electricity Production Tax Credit, also known as the PTC. So this specific tax cut states that for every kilowatt hour produced from a renewable energy source, the owner gets to reduce their tax bill by 2.2 cents per kilowatt hour of energy produced. This is a brilliant way to get corporations who use a lot of energy to make sure that they're finding different sources of energy. Um, one that I found for my research is actually St. Louis University is 100% ran on wind power, which is really cool. And you have other giant corporations taking this into account, including Google, Apple, REI, and there's a list on the EPA website of 400 other countries that use over 100% renewable energy, which is a great thing. So the question is, what more can the United States do if this is happening? However, you still have some companies that really are not catching up to this and really caring. We have Walmart that only sticks at about 17% um, renewable energy. And they're a giant company in the United States. You know, there's over, there are thousands and thousands of companies in the United States that are just not living up to these expectations. And I really do believe, and I think there's a lot of statistical evidence that it takes a teamwork, a team effort for everybody to come into this, which is why it's so important. Now, the question is, is the United States really socially responsible for making these private companies who, if we live in a free market, if they are responsible for legislation that will force them to use renewable energy? Um, there are a lot of companies right now in the private sector that are really getting a lot done in the sense of trying to re reduce emissions. A big one is Bill Gates's company, TerraPower. He has a wonderful docu-series on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's called The Mind of Bill Gates. If you, It's only four episodes. It provides a lot of information about his company that it's tackling nuclear innovation. Um, nuclear energy is not a huge way of energy in the United States. And there's a lot of fear centered around it because there has not been a lot of innovation and because it's expensive and because it's risky. But Bill Gates has founded this company that's really trying to make it a safe, efficient way because there is a lot of nuclear energy that exists in the world. Right now, there is a nuclear waste uh, space in Paducah, Kentucky, which I actually drive through every time I go home, that has enough nuclear energy, uranium, which is what they use in the reactors, that can actually power all of the United States for 264 years. I mean, and nuclear energy is a renewable a renewable form of energy. It doesn't produce any emissions. It doesn't produce CO2. It's a really clean, safe way for energy. And Bill Gates and so many other investors are pouring billions and billions of dollars, which is honestly innovating a lot quicker than the United States government can because there is no pushback. We're also seeing companies like Tesla, who is shifting from not oil-powered cars, but into electric-powered cars with electric batteries, which there could be better for the environment. Unfortunately, they're incredibly expensive and not accessible to every working class American, which can become a problem. Um, but Bill Gates says on his website that the purpose of this company is to mitigate climate change and lift billions out of poverty. 
And they actually work with the federal government and federal laboratories to further advance on nuclear energy. So this is another way that the United States is working with the private sector to just innovate a little bit more into this sort of energy. However, at the end of the day, the United States really needs to step their game up on renewable energy. Only 17% of our energy is renewable compared to Iceland, which is 100%. You have Paris with a fully clean water system throughout the entire country, or France, pardon me. And so many other countries are working so quickly and a part of this Paris Accords that are trying to make sure that this is not just a social responsibility country-centered problem. It's a world problem. And I really think the United States should take into consideration more and more legislation that will mitigate the CO2 emissions because it could be harmful, not just for health reasons, but for economic reasons. And there's statistical evidence that greener countries actually have higher standards of living and they have happier citizens and they have, you know, better jobs. One of the fastest growing job markets in the country right now is wind energy and which is actually a pretty cheap form of energy. According to the Wind Energy Technologies Office, wind energy only costs about one to cents per kilowatt hour after the production tax credit, making it one of the lowest priced energy sources available today. And because of so much innovation, wind power has actually declined in cost by 90% since 1980. And this continues through every single form of renewable energy as we continue to innovate and invest our money into these corporations that are taking their time and their energy and their knowledge to do this. Um, same with solar po power. There has been a significant price decline thanks to the investment tax credit that came from the stimulus bill in 2009. Since then, solar power has dropped in price and has 100,000 jobs compared to only 20,000 five years ago. And that's an incredibly big thing, although our society is so reliant on fossil fuels, it's all about transition. It's not about banning. It's not about instantly getting rid of it. It's about transition. It's about innovation. It's about investment, which the United States really needs to step up in since we are the number one consumer of petroleum with 19.88 million barrels daily that help us power our cars, our buses, our airplanes, and so much more. I really hope in the future the United States starts making these crucial steps towards reducing these CO2 emissions because it is so incredibly important. There is so much scientific data and evidence of what climate change could be. We're already seeing a lot of glaciers melt. We're seeing forest fires. We're seeing hurricanes globally, not just in the United States, and causing billions and billions of dollars in damage. And the argument that it's too expensive as I said, wind power really isn't that expensive. When I was driving to Chicago last weekend, I you drive right through a wind farm every time you go to Chicago, and over 600,000 homes are powered by these wind farms in, in middle Illinois, which is awesome instead of using oil and gas. And they can create such booming job markets and happy citizens and happy people with good health and cleaner water and cleaner air, which is really all we can ask for because it's the only planet we have and we have to protect her because she is ours. But it's also our responsibility as people and to do that. And I really hope after listening to this podcast, you really read up more about what the environmental policy in the United States is and that at the end of the day, the environment should not be a political issue. However, it has turned into one because it is who comes down to it, the private sector or the 
federal sector. And I think, as I've stated in this podcast, that they can work really beautifully together if they work together, if we fund the government a little bit more, if we allocate funds. You know, we have a $700 billion military while we're only giving $9 billion to the EPA, which doesn't even have a plan to reduce the emission, these emissions. And we do have tax cuts, but we also have these tax cuts for these giant gas corporations, which just incentivizes them to keep going and to keep reducing and when there could be major changes. So yeah, I really hope you enjoyed listening. I really hope you go and pick up some books and read. It's re- There's a lot of really great documentaries, information and articles and a lot of really great writers on, you know, environmental issues that are entertaining and fun to read. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. And this has been Sophie Ware, and this is why you should care. <laughs>